Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Red Circle. Also, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check us out on Off the Floor. That's our new Discord. You can find the link right here on the podcast feed. Also, on the YouTube channel descriptions and pinned to the top of the Five Reasons Twitter page. $2.99 per month. We've got almost 500 tip-off members now. Make sure you click on it. And then, yes, you got to pay the $2.99 a month to see our nine channels. We're actually adding a 10th channel with NBA Draft Prospects so you can get you ready for the draft way in advance. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I just ordered from here. If you're going to get this in for Valentine's Day, you better do it soon. ShopTubCulture.com. Again, that's shop tubculture.com this is where you go to get a great gift a great local business right here in south florida they make bath and body products that are all handmade using gentle natural ingredients with no animal testing i would suggest the beer bath bombs i I did a little research on the site the past couple of days so check it out use the promo code 5 f-i-v-e get 10 percent off your order of 20 bucks or more again it's shop tubculture shop tubculture.com use the code f-i-v-e and now, today's episode. Down the uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. We got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Make sure you check out the last couple episodes that we did. Of course, a bunch of trade deadline related stuff, but also an episode on Terry Rozier and Tyler Hero, what that backcourt looks like now, what it might look like in the future, who needs to sacrifice, what the upside is. We got into all of it. So Brady and I uh, did about 30 minutes on that. Make sure you check that out on the feed. But... They're playing the Celtics on Sunday. It's getting lost a little bit because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but we felt it's worth a short preview episode because this is the one team Miami needs to get past. I mean, I think when you look at the Eastern Conference right now, talk about where they may finish, Milwaukee, Doc Rivers, that whole defense thing doesn't seem to be working. The Knicks, they've got some injuries right now, Ananobi and Randall, even though they're playing very well. Cleveland has gotten everybody back, and Donovan Mitchell is now an MVP candidate. So they're obviously some a team that, that's going to have to be reckoned with. But Miami has a chance to pass Philly uh, with what's happened there with Embiid and going to be out for several weeks. And I believe Miami should stay ahead or get ahead and stay ahead of Indiana with their current roster. So it's really about Boston, uh, Alex. And we saw what happened the last time Boston came down here. It was humiliating, honestly. I mean, I, I haven't seen Miami play that poorly defensively in a long time in a game that mattered. Jimmy Butler is questionable for this game. We should say that Um, dealing with some personal issues. He missed two days of practice. I had heard he was going to play. Then he got downgraded. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. But Alex, let's just start here. Why did Boston give Miami so many problems the last time? Um, I hate to say it because they're a really good team and they got cooking and we know the flaws in the heat's defense. We can just talk about like, their game plan and schematically, right? Like we know the ways that a team has beat them before. It's they really kind of just are able to 
kind of knife their way through the first layer of defense. And what they, once they get the, the heat into early rotations and kind of scrambling, the open threes start coming. And I think when those things add up, um, it can it can get bad real quick. And a team like the Celtics, that's kind of been the best team in the NBA um, all season. And a team that now with the Porzingis edition and with their guys, like they, they can really play five out all the time. Um, well, not necessarily when Xavier Tillman is in the game because he's not necessarily a shooter, but that's besides the point. Like uh, in that game, they're, they're, the way, they're, this new Celtics group has a way of stretching you out, I believe, in a way that others couldn't. Now, maybe like with the other teams, like you could take Robert Williams off the floor and that, and in that way that you can run five out. And that's kind of what they did. But I think they have a more dynamic group of guys trying to run that unit now when you're involving Drew, when you're involving Porzingis, um, you know, Derek White and his production. I, I think it's just a really good team, man. And they kind of – they got through the the, the the layer of the Heat's defense and they kept making them pay with the threes. And I think that's a – it's a it's nothing fluky. Like, hot shooting is hot shooting, but it, it the hot shooting started because of defensive mistakes. And I think um, in that game specifically, there was a lot of switching going on. And I think I didn't like it. I didn't like it against that team specifically when you're starting Hero and Rozier. And if you're going to do that, right, you have to do it right. And I think like if you know they're going to be kind of having to switch a small guy, whether it's Rozier or Hero, onto somebody bigger more often than not because of what they're doing, you, that help has to be there. That second man has to be there on time and early. Like I think I thought there was so many points in that game that they just kept like they, they got into the teeth of the defense over and over and over and knew exactly where the holes were and what to pick at. And I think it's a little bit scary as a Heat fan because it's like, okay, do, I, do we match up with this team? And look, maybe it's op- optimistic and naive of me. I really do think they can compete with them uh, again. Like I always say, if they hold down the fort defensively, because like you can't let that team get going from three, they will kill you. And they, it, like we've seen them do it before. They will live and they will die by the three, except the, the unit they have now can do a little bit more than others that they've had in the past. But first things first, the heat have to have everything right on defense and, and it's easier said than done. Right. It's not just about effort. Like when you have Rozier and hero out there, <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to have to fight to help those guys out. And your and your rotations are going to have to be on point since you're constantly sending help for both of those guys. So it's not going to be easy. But I, I think if they can really start off well on that end, they have a chance. I think when you look at the matchups here, um, Porzingis changes a lot, obviously, uh, for them. And that's something they didn't have to deal with last year. Uh, but also Drew changes a lot. And I, you know, I know that that Jimmy, you know, did some work against Drew in the playoffs last year, but. <laughs> He, he gives Boston a very different look defensively. They just they have a lot of length. Um, they really are not weak defensively in any spot. You know, they, there's there's no one to exploit. It was pretty much only when you went to Boston's bench, and that's one of the reasons they went and got Xavier Tillman uh, to get a better defender up front because they were thin up front. But th- they have plus defenders everywhere. And, and really, when this this matchup comes down to me. Uh, a lot of times it just comes down to the mental stuff with Boston. Like, cause I, I, I think Boston's roster is better. I, I, there's no way to argue otherwise at this point. I like the heat roster better than I liked the roster last year, but I like the Boston roster a lot more than I liked the Boston roster last year. And so Miami's going to be at a disadvantage. And a lot of this comes down 
again, to sort of the mental edge that I think Miami has against them in the playoffs and just getting to that series playing well and then hoping that, again, that edge that you have, uh, it starts to get in Boston's heads a little bit. And and I I think that's kind of the recipe I'm looking for this year with them, and it's got to be at a point, I think we've talked about this, where Miami faces them late enough in the playoffs. Um, you know, where they've gotten a little bit of a head of steam from winning a series or winning two series or something like that, and maybe seeing them again in the Eastern Conference Finals. And to do that, Miami's going to need to be in that sort of, you know, two, three, six, seven bracket, um, as opposed to being in the one bracket, because it appears that that's where Boston's going to be. So you I, honestly, although I think Miami may end up finishing fifth, you don't really want to finish fifth, because I don't think you want to see Boston potentially. Excuse me potentially in the second round. Um, but before I go further on this, if they haven't engaged Jimmy Butler, which they've not had in either of the two games they've seen the Celtics this year, how much difference does that make in terms of, I think, I feel like it matters more in this matchup than it matters in just about any other. I, I get that. I get that. Um, that line of thinking, and we've seen it so many times in the past in the playoffs when he's really shining and, you know, kind of the number one, even if we're not necessarily talking about him having to kind of, you know, carry the team and all that. Just But but being number one regardless, I think really, and setting the tone from the beginning of the game is valuable to the team. He, he is their leader. He is, I think, the guy that gets everybody going. Uh, when you talk about his personality and then when you talk about on the court, I, I honestly, I feel like that's been the biggest difference between this regular season, Jimmy. Not, I mean, on the offensive side, because the defense, we know that the, the differences have been there. Uh, not as many deflections, all that stuff. But offensively, um, I, like we know that he's never been this offensive dynamite scorer for the reg- in the regular season for you. But the difference was, I feel like in the past, he was a little bit more willing to be on ball and playmake. And that there's been less of that this season and, you know, more so as of recent since he's been kind of ramping up. But overall for the season, I think they need that aspect from him. Even if he's not giving you 30 points, he needs to be a threat out there and more and on ball more often than not if he's on the floor. Like, it's – the cutting is cool, but a lot of times, like, during the regular season, he doesn't cut as much also and sometimes cuts into space when others are already there, especially with Bam. I really can't stand when that happens. And I feel like it's just, like, almost, like, not lack of focus, but like those types of things wouldn't be happening in the playoffs. I think that he realizes like the margin for error is different, and we've seen that before. But yeah, like get, get Jimmy right and and in the right role, and I think that it starts there, and it starts with the defense, and then on the offensive end, it starts with Jimmy. I think he he has to be in the right space. It can't be Tyler trying to like do too much. It can't be Bam trying to do too much. Same thing for Terry, um, you know, but. It's it absolutely starts with Jimmy. We're going to talk a little bit about a guy that uh, both teams may be competing for with a buyout a, a little bit later. I I do w- want to mention a couple things. First thing, Tillman's not going to play on Sunday. He's been officially ruled out, so we won't see him. Uh, he's still getting over a knee injury prior uh, that he suffered prior to the trade uh, from Memphis. And again, I do think he's going to help their depth because I, I thought that Miami's major advantage here is depth. Um, I look at a couple guys that I think could be keys in a Boston matchup. One guy I want to see get going is Hawkes. I, I feel like he's starting to round back into shape a little bit, got the rust off, came back to a team that was a little bit different than the one that he left. 
Um, obviously, Rozier is going to be a little bit more ball dominant uh, than than Lowry was. So it, it does change the dynamic somewhat. I know Tyler, we, we talked about that on the podcast, how Tyler's trying to uh, figure out how to play off of off of Terry. Um, but Hawkins feels like the guy to me, a guy to me who could be an X factor against Boston. We saw it last year with Caleb. Obviously, Caleb's on the scouting report with them. Caleb, may, Caleb's mind may be freer now, too. By the way, got past that. This is the first game after the trade deadline. Caleb was out there. We saw we saw this affect Duncan and Tyler in previous years, and then all, both of them kind of take off. Particularly Duncan when the All Star break when the trade deadline passed. I don't think that was as big an issue this year. It definitely was the past couple of years, but I do think that we may see Caleb come out energized. But Boston is well aware of him with what he did to them last year. Hawkins to me now needs to counter what other teams have done against him defensively. Like we talked about, he'll have a counter for everything. Now we need to start to see it because teams are starting to take away that little spin to the middle. They understand that when he's in transition, he's not passing. He's just going. There's certain tendencies that have been developed here over his first 40, 50 games. I also think that, you know, he hit the wall a little bit. I mean, he was playing crazy amount of minutes for a rookie, and he was playing clutch minutes. He was playing the entire fourth quarter. He's playing high-intensity, high-leverage minutes. So I feel he needs a break. He's not going to get it over All-Star Weekend, obviously, because he's going to be in Rising Stars and in the Slam Dunk Contest. But I just look at him as a guy that Boston – I feel like maybe it's because Bill Simmons is so afraid of him. (laughs) Maybe that's it. But I I just – I don't know. I feel like he's an X factor in this matchup. Like – I, I feel like he's the kind of guy who could get going a little bit um, against what Boston will throw out there. I could see it. I could see it too. And I could also see it the other way because what made Caleb and how he responded so special was it, it was a matchup thing. And that doesn't take away from what he did. And what I, mean by, what I mean by matchup thing is just like the way that they guarded him, not necessarily like who was guarding him. And they might do the same thing with, with Hakez. And I think, I'm not 100% sure that he's going to respond to it great. Not because I don't, you know, have faith in him or anything like that, but I think he might have to take some of these open threes. And, you know, him him being so open, if that is what they do, um, I, I think will ultimately help him because I think some of these missed threes or when he kind of rushes some, I think you said that the other day at the game when we were there. And and I, I think it was it's a good point because, um, like, the, the, the form is okay, but I think his form kind of lends itself more to – inside the arc and i think you see that with like the, the mini looks very natural and the nba three as everybody knows is a little bit longer than the college three so i think sometimes when the shot when he just when he doesn't have enough time to really set his feet um it, a lot of times it looks short in my opinion and you saw it short in a couple of the free throws last game too and so it's not that i don't have belief in him to make those shots i think if he's open enough he will make it i don't have doubt in that but it's more about him getting to his actual game uh against the celtics in there plethora of defenders and it's like you know there's no easy way to get to that i think i would like to see him get some more of those like mid post touches that um we saw him get earlier in the season and that's kind of where i feel like he's in his office right so to speak where and a lot of guys on this team are jimmy and bam are are great uh in the mid post bam high post same thing but haquez i think like in some of those units right um where maybe it's jimmy's not on the floor and he can be a little bit more involved and doesn't, everything doesn't have to be off ball for him as a scorer. I think that would be a nice way to get him in rhythm as opposed to just having to hit open threes, which has never really been his role, right? So I think he has to make sure to 
find that balance. And I think that's what made Caleb's response in the playoffs so special, not only because it was at such a high stage and such a high level, but he really just gave, I mean, took what the defense um, gave him. There's me messing up another uh, well-known saying, but yeah, I like, now it's up to Jaime. It's up to Jaime to show people that he can do it against the best defenses and that he can just respond to how they're playing. He's going to have to take advantage of the open space. And, you know, if I think he can really make have an impact as a cutter if they're going to be doing uh, the way that they play Caleb. All right, after the break, uh, we're going to talk about a player that it looks like these teams may compete with off the buyout market and what he would mean for each team. Before we do want to mention a couple of great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. We do this before heat Celtics, but also before the super bowl, make sure you get in on our better edge, our better edge super bowl contest. It's $10 to participate. They got first, second and third place prizes. And I'm going to give away some merchandise to a random entry. So go to betteredge.com, use code five RSN or five reasons, five RSN or five reasons you choose. And you get $20 to play. And again, the contest is just 10 bucks. And of course, prize fix, use code five F I V E. Get that Patrick Mahomes free square, half a passing yard. That's all you need. Play that one. You can play it up to $25. Pair it with Jimmy Butler if he's playing. Anybody that you want to compare it with Jason Tatum. We're not going to hold that against you. Go to prizefix.com. Use the code 5FIVE. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Miami Heat. So as I was looking through some Celtics uh, stories before we started here, uh, there's a lot of talk about Gallinari going back there. And uh, that's someone that they had. He was injured, obviously. And I'll just ask you this, because I, I know that we, we've talked about Gallinari as being an option for Miami. They've had an attraction to him for several years. They almost acquired him at the trade deadline when they got uh, Iguodala, Crowder, and, and Solomon Hill in 2020. But there was a, a dispute over how many years that he'd offered him two. He wanted one or three. They didn't end up acquiring him. Um, he's not the same player that he was. He's played on a couple of bad teams lately in Detroit and Washington, but he's had some games. But I feel like he's going to be Miami's target. Like, I don't have a lot of information on this, but it just feels like it. It feels like that's one and maybe a Thad Young or a DeLon Wright comes in after that. But if he's Boston's target too, does that make it more imperative that Miami gets him? Well, look, man, Boston taking anybody that you're going after always hurts. There's there's no doubt about it. But 
Honestly, I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, it, it would probably help them a little bit. I don't think, like, Gallinari is going to change the series for you. I think he's more of a death piece at this point than, a, like, a consistent rotation player. No, I think I, I think he's still got some offensive juice left in. Like, he can still really shoot that ball. And he's kind of, as he's aged, um, turned more into a, into a stretch big. And it's funny. I think he, he would be just kind of like a love replacement. Or not replacement, but love insurance, I would say, for when he's out. Um, and – more more so than like oh he, he's a four that you add right I don't think he's a four anymore right like he he was once a three right early in his career or in his prime he was a three then he was a four now he's kind of a stretch five he really does not like move well out there and I think you have to kind of um, keep him from having to defend in space and but you know he can he can really still shoot it can uh, score and shoot over a mismatch right if they if they switch a small guy into him so I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat just be like. Just thought, like, you know, this is a guy who can do a lot of the stuff that K Love is doing. Now, I think K Love is just better. I think he moves better. And I think they need, they would need to get Gallo on the Love diet plan, right? Because as of right now, I don't think Gallo can cover a lot of ground. I think he'd be used in a whole lot of zone and maybe a hedge and recover type of thing. But, you know, I'm not necessarily like determined if I'm the Heat to get Gallo. I wouldn't be like, oh man, do everything I can to get him. I, I don't feel like he's that type of piece. I think. You know, it would be cool if they got him another vet piece like that and somebody that they've been wanting to get forever. But, you know, all of these guys are more or less death pieces. Same thing with Thad. Um, he's obviously a different role player, uh, you know, a different type of role player. You know, I've been high the past couple of days on Chemezi Metu, who was playing for the Suns this season and played like five seasons for the Kings. And You know, he's he's going to be 27 in March, athletic type of 4-5 hybrid who, who's pretty mobile. And, you know, I think he can be that type of guy for them. You know, again, another type of death piece who I think might be able to play with or without love, probably not next to Bam. And I, I think Metsu has some stuff to him, man. He, he's lean. He moves well. Really good roller. You know, I think he could hit open three sometimes. is a little bit too quick trigger with it and probably needs to, you know, just take the ones where he's wide open and his feet are set. But I like, I like the stuff that he flashes. And, you know, he's been a rotation player for a couple of years now. It's not like a guy who's just been sitting at the end of a bench and we haven't seen him and it's all in theory. So I think a guy like that would make some sense too, instead of only having to add like, you know, 35 year olds and 36 year olds, something like somebody like that is available. So young athletic and, you know, somewhat proven in the sense that they've been in an NBA rotation for some years. So I like that idea too. DeLon Wright's still not available. So otherwise he would be, he would probably be number one for me as a guard defender for them. But, you know, none of these guys are going to change your world, but I don't think they should be above trying to get a couple of these guys, which would um, mean they got to wave Drew Smith. Well, right, and that would be the guy. I, I think the, the significance of this is more so for Boston than Miami, and here's why I say so. Boston is operating above the second apron, right? The whole idea was that if you operate above the second apron, you are significantly limited in terms of the way that you can add to your roster. There's a whole bunch of penalties, and the penalties are going to get worse, right? And I agree with the Heat on that. I, I don't think that they should operate above the second apron. I don't think that they should give up you know, exceptions and all the rest of this stuff and be bounced to bottom of the round and everything else that's gonna, that happens potentially with that. But I'll say this. If Boston continues to be able to add talent while operating over the second apron, it makes you rethink it a little bit. Because if they're able to outbid you for certain guys, I'm not talking about just with money, but just with the attractiveness of their program right now, 
then I don't know. Then maybe it's not so bad, honestly. And, and so you know, again, this is the team that you're probably going to get to it soon. Well, right, I, I I think so, but I think that there were. I think we have to watch how these teams operate in that space. There are seven teams above the first apron. It is. It could potentially limit Miami. There was some talk on our Discord today about Marcus Morris. They can't go after Marcus Morris. There's there's certain rules that that are already in play on the first apron. Boston has decided to go to the second apron. That's not typically an organization that has spent crazy money. So I'm curious again to see if they're still able to add significant pieces. And again, we talk about yes, Gallinari at this stage is a bench piece. But look, well, he, that Boston, they could use him. That, that, yeah, that's same. That Boston bench was atrocious last year in the playoffs. That was a huge advantage for Miami, right? Well, they've been and able they, to and they, through. They, and they Porzingis. created four for two. Right. And now they're they're filling in gaps. And that that's yeah. the thing that we have to watch here because then I think it becomes harder to argue you have to stay under it. Then it just the becomes more of a Miami. financial thing. The good news for Miami regarding Gallinari um, is that there was a clip that went around. Um, I think it was when he got first got traded to the Wizards earlier this season, if I remember correctly, for like in the Porzingis trade. Uh, I think he said that he was going to circle the, the the Boston game on the calendar, so that might uh, that you know I think Heat fans will like him a little bit after hearing that. And I don't know how much he wants to go back. I'm not saying he'll say no. I don't know. I don't. Know. I can't speak for him, but. Um, you know, I think maybe that helps. And what really helps is the Heat's ability to shell out that uh, taxpayer mid-level, which is in the range of 4 or $5 million there. And, you know, better than just getting a vet minimum for him, which would probably be somewhere around $3 million that other teams might be able to offer him. And the Heat can do that and stay under the second apron still, which is their ultimate goal financially. So, again, I, and, and if you and you can waive Drew Smith – Again, theoretically, I'm not sure that they're going to do this, and they might they, they might waive Drew Smith and then just promote Jamal Kane to get somebody else uh, a two way spot, and Jamal Kane gets the standard. But if they, they can waive Drew Smith, eat that um, that dead cap hit that because they would still need to pay him, and he would just be off the roster um, and pay two guys and still be under the second apron. I think I'm not Brian Goring. Shout out Brian, but uh, the the cap expert, but. Yeah. Well, from, well, the the other thing I you mentioned so. is they could they could outbid with the uh, using the mid level, uh, but of course they're going to get a multiplier on that in terms of the actual dollars they need to spend. It, it it keeps them under second apron. You're right, but it's still there's still a cost. There's a but there's a financial cost. That's not a vehicle cost. These are really two different things we're talking about that are intertwined. My overall point is this: if they don't get Gallinari, it's not the end of the world. I don't think they desperately need him. I'm looking at it more from Boston's perspective because the, the league has basically put this stuff in place essentially to create more parity and not allow teams to load up when they're, they're already have, you know, a very high payroll and to create some punitive stuff to prevent them from doing so. But if these teams can still get players anyway, because they're just a more attractive situation and they can convince a guy to come again, it makes you rethink it a little bit. So just something to look at. Um, we'll, we'll have all the coverage for you of Celtics, Heat also uh, obviously uh, check out the YouTube channel. We'll have some Super Bowl coverage as well, but uh, you know we do a lot of Heat stuff there. So check it out. Thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge, Price Picks, and also Tub Culture. Shop TubCulture.com. Make sure you use the code FIVE, and I promise my voice will be better someday. I don't know what day. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Fivers and Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. Every day we rise 
challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.